aging is something we sometimes deny as humans, as a society, and yet it's unavoidable. We can't avoid it, but we can make it a positive quality experience. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. I am so excited that I have Anne Butterfield on the show today. I have known her for a while and I had to kind of coax her to come on the show. She's an expert in her field, but sometimes she can be a little shy in front of the mic. But I have to tell you, I finally got her to come on the show, and so here she is. Anne, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Kathy. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. <laughs> thanks so much. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I've been a registered nurse for almost 30 years. I was trained in Boston, Boston University, and I was a uh, army nurse. I went through the ROTC program, became an army nurse, and traveled to California and had some wonderful experiences as a nurse in many different settings, including intensive care, emergency room, clinical trials. And in 2007, I started working with boutique care management as a geriatric care manager. And I've always appreciated working with the older population, love their stories, have a genuine appreciation for them. And that is what I'm now doing. That's awesome. So how did you go from an army nurse to working with the elderly? Because army nurses usually don't you're not elderly in the army, right? <laughs> well, when you work in the military hospitals, you are taking care of both active duty and retirees. So oh. retirees are an older population. So I did get exposure to all different age groups when I worked in the military. And then when I worked in the intensive care unit at the Veterans Administration in San Francisco, of course, that tended to be a much older population. Again, retirees, veterans who had complicated medical problems and required extensive medical care and nursing care. Okay. And how long did you do that? I did that for six years. Six years. Okay. And so now you're a geriatric care manager. Say that as fast as you can five times. Geriatric care, care manager, geriatric care manager, geriatric care manager, geriatric care manager, geriatric care manager. That's hard. And actually the, the National Association is changing the title, we're morphing into a new name called Aging Life Care Professionals. Okay. And I think it's a connotation of geriatrics that we're trying to change the image a little bit about aging can happen at any age. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, my target audience is baby boomers and we do not like certain words. Okay. We don't like senior. We don't like retired. And I guess we don't like geriatric either. So <laughs> I can understand that. We have a lot of words we don't like. So I'm glad they're changing that name. <laughs> I don't even know. What does a geriatric care manager even do? Well, it's hard to explain sometimes. It's kind of an abstract concept of what a care manager does. I can tell you that we're generally either nurses or social workers by training. We have professional expertise and certification as case managers or care managers. We often are involved in the Aging Life Care Professional Association. I can tell you a story about a friend of mine, if that would help explain what we do. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. So my good friend Betty was trying to handle caring for her mom who was 84 and had had a stroke and her mom lived upstate in Washington and Betty was trying to get her down to her home in the Bay area. And so it was, she said it was one of the hardest and the scariest things she's ever had to do. She had so many steps that she had to go through as far as home modifications, flights to deal with the medical experts up there, trips to the hospital and the rehab center, lots of communications and phone calls with therapists. And it was very frustrating and confusing at times because these medical professionals were speaking a language that she didn't understand. Her expertise is in IT or phone communications, not medical. She thought, well, I can do this. I'm a smart person. I can figure this out. And yet it was all unfamiliar territory to her. And there's a pretty steep learning curve to figuring out how to navigate that system if you're not familiar with it. And she wanted to do a great job because this is her mom. She loves her. And as a child or a spouse, friend, neighbor, someone who cares about your loved one, you have to educate yourself on all the medications and side effects and symptoms and medical problems and almost become a medical expert yourself if you feel like you can really be an advocate for your loved one. And that's a lot. And what if you forget something? So that can be very stressful. That is where a care manager can come in and do all of those things so that Betty could be the daughter and be with her mom. And as a care manager, I would be the one to make those phone calls and communications with the medical experts and help set up care in the home and manage them and make sure they're doing a good job and meeting Betty's needs, her mom's needs, and that quality of life is optimal for everyone involved and eliminate the stress involved with all of that. That makes a lot of sense. I was at a client's home yesterday and I asked her about her mom's Medicare card or no, it wasn't her Medicare card. It was a bill. Like I needed a bill in order to make a change that she wanted me to make for her. And so the client goes upstairs and brings out two humongous files. And so she had every piece of paper, but they were all in a jumble because when you need to care for your parents, you're still living your own life. You still have your kids to take care of. You still have your house to take care of. You still have your animals. You still have your job to go to. And so I completely get it. Are most of the people that you work with kind of like that? They're in that sandwich generation. Absolutely. They're the sandwich generation. So they have so much that they're juggling. And there's so many things that even if you like Betty, even if after she got her mom into her home and was caring for her, there's complications that can happen, such as infections, falls, incontinence, accidents, doing laundry around the clock, worrying about leaving someone home alone while you have to run out and take care of an errand. Just picking up a prescription at the pharmacy and leaving her mom in the car caused her so much stress because, oh my God, what if something happens and she gets out of the car and she starts wandering because she has dementia and there's so much anxiety and guilt associated with all of that. It can lead to caregiver burnout, which can be a huge issue for the sandwich population. Really, one in three employees are caregivers, 85% are female. I know you're dealing with the retired population for the most part, but even after you retire, you still have a life and time that you want to spend with even your children and maybe grandkids. And you need someone to help you navigate the system so that you can do the best at what you do and allow someone else to handle 
what they do really well in navigating that system. You know, it's so funny because when I talk to people, I just happen to meet a lot of people that are, are caregivers and they're family caregivers. They're taking care of mom, they're taking care of dad, they're taking care of their spouse. There is so much guilt out there. I think we have been programmed to believe that we're supposed to be superwoman. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that our parents and grandparents, they didn't, not, I'm not, I don't want to make generalities, but they didn't work. They were parents, they stayed in the home, they, their job was to take care of their children, take care of their parents. But now most of us work. And you were saying that a lot of my listeners are retired. That's true, but many of my listeners are still working. You know, a lot of the people that are caregivers, they're in their, you know, 50s. They're not retired yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They have a time to go still. Exactly. So care manager, that's in addition to the actual caregiver, right? How does that work? Right. So if you think about a hierarchy of care, a care manager or aging life care professional that we are, we're the project manager. We're the coordinator of all the services underneath. And we are supervising, training, and supporting caregivers who are the hands-on in the home or in a nursing home or in assisted living, wherever the setting may be. The caregivers are the hands-on eyes and ears caring for a loved one and doing the bathing and dressing and helping with moving about and going out on errands, light housekeeping, et cetera. And the care manager, what I do is supervising that, coordinating, communicating with all the players on the team, which includes the caregiver and the client, but also the physicians, other medical experts, and sometimes it's attorneys and trustees to make sure everyone's on the same page and that nothing gets missed and nothing falls through the gaps. For instance, when someone goes from home to hospital to nursing home rehab back home, you know, so many, every time there's a change in that setting, there could be things that fall through the cracks. So as a care manager, I'm overseeing everything to make sure nothing gets missed. Wouldn't a doctor do that? No. I mean, they, the doctor has such a limited amount of time in an office visit or even in the hospital. They do a wonderful job at treating a problem, addressing medical needs, and then they're pretty much counting on somebody else to pick up the reins once a client goes home. And that's like you were saying, used to fall on a female family member, typically. The doctor's not the one in the home to see what's really going on. And sometimes clients, when they go see their doctor, they don't always paint the right picture, the whole accurate picture either of what's going on in the home. For instance, falls that might be are occurring that a doctor might not even understand the, the setup of the home. Oh my gosh. I have to say something about that. Okay. So my father has Parkinson's disease and he falls a lot. I mean, a lot. And every time I go visit him, he's falling even more. And a couple of years ago, it had been like a year or so since I'd seen him. I guess what I'm saying is that an outside person can see something that somebody who's in the middle of a problem can't see. Definitely. For example, I came to visit And he probably fell seven times in three hours. Wow. And we were in a mobile home because that was their 
winter home. They went back and forth between two states, and this was in Florida. And because it was a mobile home, every time he'd fall, it would shake the entire house. (laughs) And I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. They had throw rugs. They had just things that he would fall on. And I do think that a care manager would have come in and said, okay, so I think that these throw rugs have got to go. So how do you get people to see that some of the things in their house might need to be moved, replaced, gotten rid of. Do they listen to you? Well, that is part of our initial assessment is not just getting to know the person and the family and what their individual goals are as far as aging with a positive quality life experience, but also the home and the safety issues that might be there. It can be a challenge, but sometimes as many times as a family member has told their mom, mom, you just need to roll up those carpets. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. When it's someone else and it's coming from a nurse who's a professional and that's her job, they see us in a different light. So your dad might see me differently than he sees you because you're his daughter. You're always going to be his child. And I'm a professional expert, so my role is different. So if I step in and say, well, this is really what's recommended and everyone's personality is different and sometimes clients are still going to resist what you recommend and that is their choice, but at least we're giving them as a professional expert the information and knowledge so that they can make an informed decision about their quality of life. That's sort of how I approach it. That's great. Okay, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about medications. There are some things about medications that I wanted to talk to you about that I was not aware of before I entered this world. So we are talking with Ann Butterfield, and we'll be right back right after this break. Hi, this is Kathy. When I'm not hosting Rock Your Retirement, I'm helping people with their Medicare insurance. One of the times you need to check your Medicare insurance is when you've moved. To get my free guide, Five Things You Need to Know About Medicare When You Are Moving, just go to medicarequick.com slash move. And in the meantime, listen to these cool disclosures. Neither Medicare Quick nor its agents is connected with the federal Medicare program. Medical insurance licensed in the states of California, Florida, Nevada, and Texas, and Medicare Advantage and Prescription Drug Plan service areas vary. California Insurance License 0797-566. Hi there, this is Laura Barris from Alta Golden, and you're listening to the Rocky Retirement Podcast. Okay, we're back, and I'm talking with Ann Butterfield, and we're talking about what a care manager does. It's something that not all of us are aware of, but sometimes when our parents or a loved one needs care, we're thrown into this world where you need to do everything for everybody and it's a little bit stressful, or I should say it's a lot stressful. One of the things I wanted to talk with you about, Anne, is medications. One of the things I did not realize is that medications can have different side effects and so can medical conditions. For example, one of the things that I did not know before I entered this world is that a urinary tract infection can look like dementia. Yes. I mean, how weird is that? Tell me a little bit about how does somebody who isn't working 
with someone like you? Like, how would they even know that? I would have no idea that all of a sudden mom or dad seems like they have dementia. How would I know to ask the doctor to check for a urinary tract infection? That's a great one. And it comes up so frequently and such an easy fix in a way if you catch it early on and diagnose infections such as a urinary tract infection and get the right treatment. If it's a sudden and acute change in a loved one's mood or memory or level of confusion, that's usually a sign that there's something medical going on, not necessarily a cognitive change such as dementia, but something else, something that needs to be addressed with blood tests or urine tests and medical treatment. That is one of the first things we look at if you see someone who's just a little more confused than normal or acutely changed in their mood or level of confusion. And let's get a urine sample and rule out a urinary tract infection. And it's more common than we would like because a lot of times older people don't stay hydrated. They're worried about having to rush to the bathroom and fall going to the bathroom. So they're not staying hydrated. And that's one of the things that will lead to a urinary tract infection. That is so true. When I'm out and about and, you know, I'll be telling my husband, hey, drink some water, drink some water. And he does not want to drink water because he'll have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Right. It's a (laughs) catch-22. Right. And so what do you do? I mean, really, what do you do about that? And why is it, why do we have to go to the bathroom all the time as we get older? I have always (laughs) drank a lot of water and now I'm always running to the bathroom. What's up with that? (laughs) Well, the body doesn't always cooperate with us, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) aging is not without its challenges and our muscles, including our bladder muscles don't work as well as they used to. Our hormones have changed as we get older. So the tissues are just not the same. And, and there you go. They have to run (laughs) to the bathroom all the time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So what other common things happen that, that I should know about? Let's say I'm in the sandwich generation, you know, I need to deal with these issues. What should I look out for? Well, there's so many things to look out for when you're wanting to protect your loved ones. There's things like we've discussed with urinary tract infections. There's how to prevent falls, sleep deprivation. Depression is often overlooked in the elderly. So that's another key thing. How do you know when they're depressed? It could be something as simple as not wanting to take a shower and not being interested in socializing with the friends like they used to. We do a whole assessment, a geriatric depression scale, as part of our initial assessment and getting to know someone and what's going on with them. Sometimes people go through more extensive neuropsychiatric testing if they're having mood changes or confusion or what looks like cognitive changes to really look at what's really going on medically. And it's so easy to treat with the right medication and other holistic measures. So the thing to really look at is if you're a child of a parent or an aunt or grandparent and you're thinking, wow, are the challenges that my family is facing becoming more complex than I can manage or I have other responsibilities and I just don't have the time to give the attention to this? Or could my loved one's quality of life be improved? And you're not even sure what it is. That's when you call in a care manager to help do that assessment and point you in the right direction and get the right treatment. Because this is what we do. We have the best resources. We have the expertise to help ensure that the quality of life of that individual is the best it can be. 
How can I differentiate between someone who's actually a care manager and someone who might just be a caregiver? Are there things that I should look for to make sure that I'm getting the right kind of person who can help? Because you don't know what you don't know, right? You're Mm -hmm. brand new at this. You just got the call from the hospital. Mom can't go home because they're afraid she is going to get lost or or whatever. You know, physically she's fine, right? But mentally she probably can't go home. So if I don't know what I don't know, what do I ask the people that I'm looking to hire to make sure that I'm getting the right person? Well, if you're in a facility such as a hospital or nursing home rehabilitation center, they might have some contacts to give you that are private care managers that you could call. Another great website to go to would be the Aging Life Care Professional website, and you could put in your zip code. And even if you live back in Massachusetts and your mom or dad lives in San Diego, you could find a care manager within 25 miles of your parents. But some other questions to ask would be, what is your training? Care managers are typically going to be college educated, have a degree, be nurses or social workers. And a caregiver is the person that's staying in the home, being paid hourly. And so their caregiver rates, whether they're private or being hired through an agency, are going to be closer to $20 to $25 an hour, whereas a care manager, who's the project manager, their rates are going to be closer to $125 to $200 an hour. So let's say I'm paying somebody $150 an hour. I'm just going to use that. Am I going to go broke? Am I going to have to pay eight hours of $150 an hour every every day? Like how, how often would I bring in that care manager? How much money should I expect to pay? In the initial assessment and care planning aspect of getting to know a new client, we have to invest some time, perhaps five to 10 hours of really getting to know someone, their goals, providing a written care plan and communicating with all the team players. After that, we typically visit our clients on a weekly basis, one to two hours a week. And some clients require or would like more handholding. And if their resources can support that, we can provide that to them. But we're not staying in the home. We are coming, doing our assessment and leaving and then doing a lot of communicating via phone, email, texting with all the players. So it's not really being done in the home. It's more behind the scenes, being the manager. As far as cost, I think we can actually... (laughs) save you money in a way because time is money. And if you're trying to do something that you've never done before, navigating a system and making all these calls and you don't know what company to call or where to get this particular bed or this particular piece of equipment, we can do it so efficiently and quickly because we have the resources and it's our area of expertise that we could do in a couple of days what might take you two weeks. Right. Did you just snap your fingers? I did. (laughs) I love that. I do that too. I'm like, you could do it so fast. I love it. Okay. So what you're saying is, is that something that might take me five hours of research, you might just know off the top of your head or be able to do it in 15 minutes. 
Right. You're paying for that knowledge and expertise. And also we are on call and available to our clients and their family members and their caregivers 24 seven. So if anything were to happen at any time, we've got your back. We know what's going on. We know the medications. We know the doctors to call. We know what the emergency protocol is. And we're there to, to give you that peace of mind and make sure that everyone's getting the best. That's good. Because we all want the best for our loved ones, right? We all want... Exactly. So I think I have an idea of what you do. And you did mention a website, the Aging Life Care Professional website, where people can actually go online and look up um, people like you. And so what is that website? And I'll put it in the show notes. That would be aginglifecare.org. Okay, aginglifecare.org. And so on that, they can put in their zip code and then names will pop up, right? Of people who are qualified and who have the education and training that it takes to do that. Yes, correct. Okay. And let me just kind of understand. I just want to say what I think you do. And that basically is you deal with the caregivers, the attorneys, the doctors, the trustees, the clients, the experts. You're kind of like the the quarterback of all of those, those people. Mm-hmm. And then you report back to the family. Yes. The family, whoever is the designated person to be in communication with, sometimes it's a, the person's healthcare power of attorney, family member. Sometimes it's a trustee or an attorney. It depends on everyone's individual situation. And your services are not cheap, but if you are middle class, upper middle class, they're not going to break the bank either. Yes. And I think that there are some long-term care insurance policies that will reimburse for some of the nursing care management skills that we provide. So it depends on your policy, but sometimes we can get some reimbursement for clients as well. Oh, that's awesome. I know not everybody has a long-term care policy. I actually bought one when I was like 40. Me too, because doing what I do, I knew I was going to need it. Well, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad because you can't even get the policy I have now. I mean, it's not available on the market. And I was talking with somebody yesterday and it was a couple and the husband has his policy still, but the wife let hers go. And she was so upset that she let her policy go. The reason why is when I got my policy, people were not living to be 110 and now they are. And so the insurance companies are saying, whoa, we don't want that risk of having to pay. Exactly. If anyone runs into a situation where they feel like, oh, maybe I need to start using it, but I'm afraid to because I want to make sure I have it for later. You know, it's kind of like you've put aside that money for the rainy day. And when it's a rainy day, it's time to use it. You know, don't wait. That's what it's for. Open the umbrella. Don't walk around and get your head wet. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it is raining. It's pouring. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I totally get it. So if there was one piece of advice that you would give to the listener, what would it be? Aging is something we sometimes deny as humans, as a society, and yet it's unavoidable. We can't avoid it, but we can make it a positive quality experience. We're the type of people who can help guide you in making sure that happens and just make the most of your life, no no matter what stage you're at. And sometimes that means 
setting up caregivers in the home. Sometimes it means end-of-life care with comfort and safety and dignity and maybe calling in hospice. But, you know, we help you have those difficult conversations. And, you know, it's really about making the most of life, having the best quality of life we can. Don't we all want that? Absolutely. Hey, Anne, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, would you like to give out your contact information? Of course. Our company, Boutique Care Management, we can be reached at our office, which is area code 619-300-7727. My personal cell is 858-232-9979. Or I can be reached at Anne at annebutterfield.com. And our website is boutiquecaremanagement.com. I know that's really long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put all this in the show notes. (laughs) So if someone's listening, they're like, I can't write all this down. Don't worry. It's going to be in the show notes. And Anne, you spell your name A-N-N, correct? Oh, correct. There's no E. So it's less letters. (laughs) (laughs) Less to remember. So we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the show with me. You are always a delight. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad that coaxed you into it. So thanks again. I'm glad you did too. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kathy. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. T14223 writes, I agree with a recommendation from episode 39 that it's important to have a life plan. Retirement includes a lot of aspects and having a plan is essential. I also enjoy all of the health-related podcasts because it eventually we will all age. Keep up the good work. TOT14223, thanks so much. I appreciate the review. Wasn't that fun? I'd love for you to leave a review too. And if you don't know how, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash review, and that'll take you to a free video tutorial that shows you how. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. 
The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.